This week, the Rural Roundup is bringing you something a little different. We spoke to six diversified farm businesses across Scotland, asking them about their journeys, the conversations they had along the way, and the decisions they had to make. This week, we're going to hear the story of Lindsay Robertson from Long Island Retreats. A woman who invites Shetland ponies into her home was perhaps always destined to create a crofting experience where visitors get to share her love of animals. Born out of their passion for the land and livestock, Lindsay and her partner DJ launched Long Island Retreats and Larder in 2022. The business combines croft tours, croft produce, and soon will launch croft accommodation to deliver a fully immersive crofting experience the first of its kind in the Outer Hebrides, allowing visitors to step off the beaten track and out onto their crofts at Loch Skippert in South Uist. Lindsay's background in marketing and business development has been pivotal in the development of the croft business. Callum Johnston, one of our FAS advisors and FAS TV producers, sat down with Lindsay to find out more about this exciting new diversified business. Well, hi, Lindsay. It's great to have you on the podcast this afternoon. Uh, thanks for joining us. How's things over on South Uist? Uh, so we're a wee bit blowy today, but um, we're dry, so that's always a bonus. <laughs> I wonder, uh, just, to, just to kick things off, um, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the croft that you're on over on South Uist? Um, so I'm Lindsay Robertson. I'm originally from Speyside, uh, but moved across to South Uist full time um, at the start of 2020. My other half, uh, DJ, Sunday named Donald John, he is actually originally from Uist. Um, so it's his family crofts that we work here. They've been handed down through the generations. Um, we have crofts both on the east and west side of the island. So we're quite... Um, quite lucky that we have hill ground and really good macher crofts as well um so we run a herd of aberdeen angus on the macher crofts um and we also have a flock of uh, predominantly north country cheviot cross texels and then we have highland cattle out on the hill crofts and we also have a herd of shetland ponies brilliant I have to say, I've heard the word macher mentioned quite a few times. I wonder, just for those listening to the podcast that are not necessarily familiar with what macher is, could you just give us a, a brief description? Uh, so the macher ground is the ground sort of running into the sea. It's a really rich, fertile ground. It's a very unique ecosystem. Um, it's built up from the alkaline shells from the shore, but also years of crofters applying seaweed. Um, so it's the area that we crop each year as well. So we rotate between crop and grazing um, each year. It's two-year fallow, uh, two-year cropped. Um, and yeah, it's one of the most beautiful areas to be in the summer, rich with wildlife and wildflower, it's uh, sort of one of the areas that I always encourage people to come and see and experience um, when they're on one of our croft tours. Brilliant. Yeah, the the US are, are beautiful places when they're not windswept. <laughs> um, I have to say, my I do have some US blood in me. Um, my mum's side of the family are uh, actually from North US. Um, so they... 
we still have cousins actually um working living and working on a croft in north east at clachan sands okay. um so they're based not far from the loch maddy um ferry i just wonder lindsay for for people you know if you were coming over to to south east how how's the best way to get to south east and and where's your croft uh, situated so our crofts are both um on south us the croft on the hill ground is out at loch skipper so it's a really beautiful part of um us it's based out a four mile single track road looking straight across the sky so we wake up with sunrises looking out over the coolants and sky um the macher crofts we have um, are on Gairanish and Yucher common grazings. Um, so towards the top end of South Uist, um and Yucher common grazings is actually one of the largest um, macher common grazings um, with around 1,100 acres. That's great. So you, uh, you mentioned just a minute ago that you're originally from the, the mainland, What's uh, what's island life like in comparison to the mainland? So I've touched on it briefly. I moved across pool time literally um, at the start of 2020, two weeks before lockdown. <laughs> so um, I was thrown into island life in the best possible way. DJ went away offshore two days after I moved across and we were just starting into calving um, and then straight into lambing and for us here it couldn't have been a better place to be through lockdown because life just continued um we didn't have any covid so um for those periods of time it was a brilliant place to be um i really enjoy island life i think it takes a little bit of adapting to in terms of the pace of life more than anything else um people joke about island time but it is definitely a thing (laughs) um but yeah it's a really beautiful part of scotland to be and i've traveled extensively in previous work roles and i would say the outer hebrides um are a really special place um yeah you i mean you take for granted on the mainland that everything is just you know a couple of miles along the road uh, you can access anything at the drop of a hat uh, it maybe takes a little bit more planning in terms of island life, just in ha- terms of how you source things and um, food supplies and different things like that. Ferries obviously throw in an added complexity at different times of the year. But yeah, it's it's certainly a lovely place to live, to work um, and to bring up a family. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree that island time is definitely <laughs> a thing. Um, it's It always strikes me every time I come across just how everyone seems a lot more chilled out everyone just seems a lot more relaxed and uh and yeah it's a wonderful a wonderful lifestyle um just on that kind of lifestyle uh topic um i think you know we would both agree that farming and crofting isn't just a job you know it's it's a way of life it's very much a lifestyle choice could you talk us through what a typical day looks like on your croft uh, yeah, definitely agree with you there, Calma. It is definitely a lifestyle choice and it's um, all immersive in terms of year round. I think certainly just now as we go into the winter period, our days just generally revolve around 
daylight hours getting up and you start with checking livestock and then feeding livestock and that is how your day continues as the days are quite short through the winter months um it is literally a case of we start we have ponies on the doorstep so we start with them uh, we introduced pigs to the croft this year as well for doing um meat boxes so we then move on to them and then head in through cattle and sheep um we also use DJ's brother's croft further south um, at tupping time so that adds extra mileage um, into the day and I think that's one of the different things um, that I've found coming from a farming background into crofting is you take for granted on a farm that everything's in one unit and it's really easy to move between fields and check stock whereas here we're maybe 20 minutes from the house to the first part of the croft and then we move on to um, another area. So, yeah, um, I don't think we would have it any other way. It's it's just part and parcel of life. Um, we've got a one and a half year old daughter and she loves the outdoors and livestock. So it's a great life to bring her up in as well. So tell us about Long Island retreats. What is it and when did it all start? Uh, so Long Island Retreats is the diversification element of the Croft business. So it's set up completely separate. Um, we set this up, dipped our toe in the water last year and set it up officially this year in terms of uh, launching the website, etc. We wanted to develop something way back in 2019. We started discussions around... Um, doing pony experiences. The ponies are sort of infamous with South US. People come out to see them and have done for many years. And we felt that there was an opportunity there to formalize that experience people could have and actually give them a much better experience by being able to understand a little bit more about the ponies, learn where the bloodlines came from and the herd names, um, and make it also a safer experience for children. We also had... Um, DJ's granny's thatched cottage as a first step in our minds to diversify into holiday accommodation. So all these plans were in the making leading up to lockdown. <laughs> and at that point, we kind of put our, took our foot off the accelerator and said, maybe now isn't the right time to do this. And what we did do instead was we joined Scottish Agritourism and we spent quite a lot of time then speaking to members and understanding other businesses throughout Scotland and how they work and what makes them successful. So we went from a small idea of some pony experiences and accommodation into something much larger and an all-encompassing croft experience where you can come onto the croft and do a croft tour, you can see a shearing demonstration, you can come out onto the marker ground, um, you can go down to the potato plot, you can have a children's experience with the ponies. We also then launched our own meat boxes and the larder side of the business. And then next year, there should be the accommodation side, which ties in that all-encompassing experience where you can come and stay on the croft, experience it, and also taste the produce. It sounds wonderful. Sounds like an amazing uh, experience. In terms of the the actual croft produce element where do you get your where do you process your meat and you know is it done locally or, or how does that work 
so for us the whole ethos behind doing our own produce was we used to sell up until 2020 we sold everything store and we also always said it's a bit backwards in terms of everything going off island to then come back on island um, because there isn't a butchery processing um, option on island so the majority of meat all goes to Monroe's at Dingwall and then comes back in um, where people can buy that so for us we wanted to do something which was low food miles worked with a local supply chain and also delivered really high quality produce um, we started very much with the local market in mind because like us many people wanted to buy local produce so we worked directly with Barra Slaughterhouse um, so we're under 30 miles to go from the croft to the slaughterhouse and they offer a full service which does the slaughter, the hanging, the butchery and gives us a vacuum packed product to deliver straight to the customer. We put our first meat boxes out on social media last year and sold out within two hours. That was the demand locally and then had a waiting list. So it gave us the confidence to go forwards um, and expand that. And we've kept back bullocks for processing our Aberdeen Angus beef. And we've also introduced pigs from a twofold perspective. We wanted to turn over some of the rougher ground in the crop, but also that we could then produce um, pork. So that's the that's the starting point for us. And it's um, sort of growing from there. Do you know, this year we already had the boxes subscribed to um, and we've kept back all our lambs that we've produced this year um, rather than putting any away store. That's amazing to hear such demand, you know, being sold out so so quickly and then and then having a, a waiting list off the back of it. Why Why do you think we've seen such great demand in you know, local local food, local produce, and, you know, specifically supporting local businesses like yourselves? Yeah, I think in terms of speaking to other businesses who are within Scottish agritourism, COVID certainly helped that. People were looking for that um, sustainable food source, the one that had the local story, the one that was on their doorstep, um, the one that had low food miles. Um, certainly on island when we produce our boxes they go out with a really nice story in terms of um, the number of generations that have come through the croft the fact that the flock was established by dj's great uncle um, and the lines continued through there the fact that the children are now the fourth generation working with that flock people buy into that story um, and people want food that's been produced on their doorstep for us and others around us it's daft that we produce such high quality stock on island but that it all goes off island and you're then either going into the co-op or buying from meat that's come back into island so yeah I think in all honesty I think that's only going to grow in the future years um, I can't see even in the cost of living situation that we're in at the moment there's still high demand I think people are potentially more price sensitive, but I think there is always going to be that demand going forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, are you seeing over on the islands, are you seeing more crofters taking an interest in starting to market directly or, or not? Yeah, so 
we held a meeting with Scottish Agritourism in the summer and invited other people along and we ran through the process that we went through and there's certainly been people off the back of that have come through producing their own meat this year. Um, I think the more that we can speak about it and the more people see it being done successfully, um, the more that we'll see other people come through. You always have people that have an appetite to do more and also you have to look at the size of your croft and whether you can finish stock on it or whether store is your best option. Um, but certainly for us, we had the ground to be able to finish stock on. Um, we <laughs> we wouldn't say that's a quick process necessarily. We have a strap line that goes on the website and along with all the meat that goes out in the meat boxes that is matured slowly the island way and that just reflects the fact that we're never going to be able to finish in the same timeline that somebody on the mainland with rich, lush grazing is going to be able to do. So you're also a destination leader for Scottish agritourism. Uh, I wonder, just for, for listeners to the podcast that are not familiar with Scottish agritourism, what is it and what does it aim to achieve? So Scottish agritourism was set up formally as a sector body for agritourism just over two years ago um, and it's very much set out to grow the sector and um, to support the sector but also to market it directly to consumers there's a consumer facing website which is the go rural brand um, but it also works on behalf of members to lobby government um, to really drive forwards development areas um, topical areas for us. We've done a lot of work this year around the short term licensing, um, even down to reflecting back into government things like subsidy payments being on time, because that all ties into agritourism and how you can invest back into um, developments out with the Croft as well. So um, it's Obviously, Scotland-wide, we have members from as far north as Shetland. Um, there's obviously developing areas in terms of that's our roles to try and bring more people on board. Um, and you can see the momentum building week on week with members coming on board now, really seeing the success of other businesses, whether it be a croft, a farm or an estate. Um, and they range in the diversification from accommodation to food produce um, through to farm experiences, children's experiences, events. Um, the list is endless and it always really inspires me in terms of just the innovation that's going on in the sector at the moment. Yeah, it sure is. It's it's a real agritourism in Scotland is, is a, a real growth area and you know, I, I hear loads of great things about Scottish agritourism and also the network, as, as you say there, Lindsay. And, you know, what would you say are some of the key benefits of being part of that community? So one of the things that I always point out to people is we joined before we actually had a product to market. And there was a big reason behind that, because the community itself is really supportive and there's a huge amount of peer-to-peer -peer advice and support available there at no charge if we'd gone out 
on a consultancy basis to get the same level of advice and support we had, we would have paid thousands. So the membership, you know, it repaid itself time and time again. I probably wouldn't have launched the meat boxes last year if we hadn't had that support network where I could pick up the phone and speak to somebody who had been there and done it. And literally they talked us through every single aspect of what we needed to do um, and how to take that product to market. So the support is definitely one of the key benefits. Um, the fact that they've obviously already got a following in terms of that consumer audience built that you can directly market yourselves to is another huge plus for anybody starting out because you've already got an audience that you can target. And also the fact that there's this sort of lobbying side to it you can feed in at a very high level issues that are affecting you on the ground on a local basis. Um, so again, from an island perspective, you've got a much bigger voice than what you have as an individual. Am I right in thinking, Lindsay, that within Scottish agritourism, there's there's a number of regional leaders or, or destination leaders. That's what they're, I think they're officially called. And, <laughs> and you're one of the destination leaders for, for the Outer Hebrides. What does that role involve? So there are destination leaders across um, the whole of Scotland. I partner up with Fiona Scott from Fern Farm and we cover the Highlands and Islands. Um, so my area is probably specifically sort of more the west coast of Scotland and throughout the islands. So um, Orkney and Shetland come under uh, that as well. So our role is very much there to be a point of contact, a first point of contact for people that are maybe interested in joining. Um, it's a role that allows us to go out on the ground and meet both current members and also potential members um, to be able to give them some advice. And if we don't have the expertise to signpost them to the member that might be able to support them, um, but obviously it is about growing the sector. So it's very much about trying to attract other people into agritourism and encourage them to take the first steps into diversifying. Yeah, and I guess for anyone listening, um, what's the best way to find out more? Is it to go to the Scottish Agritourism website or what, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, so Scottish Agritourism um, has their own website, which is the sort of business facing website. If you're a farmer, a crofter, an estate owner, that's your first point of contact. Um, all the destination leaders are listed within that. Um, there's also local regional events happening where you don't need to be a member, where you can go along and experience those individual businesses and find out about them and also meet other members at the same time and some of the agritourism team. We have a Facebook page which always posts up all the regional events and online meetings as well. Um, and we also have the annual conference, which is a great way to meet lots of other members and also be really inspired by hearing those stories from both a Scottish perspective, but also they'll speak about if they've been in international trips, etc. They'll bring some of the international perspective into it as well. So you can see what's happening in other countries as well. Just on that topic of events, uh, there's an upcoming event on the 6th and 7th of uh, December. It's the Scottish Agritourism Conference. I wonder, Lindsay, have you got any insights into what we're expecting to see or some of the headlines on the days? 
So I've actually just finished two days. Um, we've all been together doing a lot of development for the conference. So it's actually really inspired everybody within the destination leaders. We think it's going to be an amazing lineup um, with all the different speakers. There are some amazing speakers from across the sector, from the food and drink side of things through to the on-farm experiences. Um, there's opportunity to have debate within your regional groups along with your sectoral groups because um, there's a few different breakout sessions you can choose between. We also have Mary Goujon coming along to speak about their commitment to Scottish agritourism going forwards um, and hopefully there'll be some announcements in terms of the direction and the support that the government are looking to give to the sector because it has been identified as one of the three top tourism growth sectors going forward so it holds a lot of importance from that side of things um, and they will also be presenting back in terms of experiences from Vermont the team that went out there this year as well so quite an interesting international flavour to it as well and if that doesn't sell it there's also a cocktail networking <laughs> event in the evening. <laughs> I'm definitely coming along. Uh, I've already signed up and I, now I know that there's cocktails involved as well. I think I'm definitely going to be going along to that. Um, so one of the one of the purposes uh, of this podcast, apart from speaking to you and uh, and finding out about Long Island retreats, is is thinking specifically about diversification. Uh, I mean, diversification is becoming ever more important uh, for farming and crofting businesses in in the current landscape so what would your advice be Lindsay to farmers or crofters listening to this podcast today who are maybe thinking about diversifying but they don't really know where to start what would be your key pieces of advice um I think it is worth looking at what other people are doing as a starting point because it allows you to see what's out there and what's successful. It also allows you to potentially pick up the phone and speak directly to somebody who's been there and done it and understand if that potential diversification opportunity is for you because there are obviously positives and negatives to every diversification and whether it would suit your lifestyle and your farm or craft um, but for me it is very much about just thinking outside the box in some way and what might work for you it's about picking up the phone and speaking to different people we work very closely with Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Business Gateway we secured a significant amount of funding to match fund our own development um, because they appreciate the potential of Scottish agritourism um, in the Highlands and Islands at the moment. So there are huge opportunities there, but I think as we all go forwards, it's about looking at your own sustainability, um, specifically in crofts, they're a marginal unit, they don't generate necessarily an income for one person, let alone two. But agritourism is definitely an opportunity to make your own unit sustainable um, and to support a family and also it looks at future generations there's a lot of agritourism businesses where the mum and dad are potentially working the farm and a younger generation comes in to diversify and take forwards an agritourism element so it certainly opens up opportunities for all generations um, within farming. 
Yeah, that's that, that whole succession succession piece is actually really important. And yeah, you've summed it up really, really well there, Lindsay. Finally, uh, just before we round up, what's next for Long Island Retreats? I'd love to say a holiday. <laughs> um, we are really busy through the winter, uh, just trying to finalise all the developments Um from last year in terms of taking the learnings on board, relaunching a calendar of events. Our accommodation should be coming live in 2023. So that's one of the big focuses um, for now. And the other development through the winter is we'll have um, a wee shop on site for the start of next season to sell our own produce direct to consumers because we have quite a high footfall of visitors coming out to Los Gilbert to appreciate the beauty of the area. But it also allows us to upsell to the visitors that are coming on Croft tours. So making a few extra pounds that way, hopefully. <laughs> oh, sounds amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out this afternoon out of your busy schedule. Um, certainly Long Island Retreat sounds amazing. Uh, next time I'm over, I'll, I'll pop in and say hello. Um, and... Yeah, thanks for, for sharing not only your story, but um, sharing information about Scottish agritourism. And, uh, you know, there's, it's, as we've discussed, it's a, it's a real growth area. And um, hopefully I'll see you in person and we can catch up for a, a cocktail over uh, at, the, at the Scottish Agritourism Conference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, finally, thank you very much for, for joining us today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Rural Roundup. You can find out more about the businesses and the people featured through the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this story, please share it with others that you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel to get our regular fortnightly episodes as soon as they're released. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.